Hello, and welcome to Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane, your host. This is episode 40, part two of my review of Apple's iPhone 12 and iPhone 12 Pro. This episode of Parallel is brought to you by the IntraZone from Microsoft SharePoints and by SameBox. On episode 38, I did an overview of the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro as phones, but also from an accessibility point of view in terms of the hardware. This time we're going to dig more into the accessibility features that are relevant for these two products specifically. Some of these are features that are available on other iPhones or even a larger group of iOS devices, but the combination of the fast processor, the neural engine, and other hardware makes the iPhone 12 line and specifically the iPhone 12 Pro specifically interesting from an accessibility point of view. So we're going to talk about several accessibility features. First up, the brand new people detection feature that is made possible by the LiDAR scanner and is available in the 12 Pro, will be available in the 12 Pro Max, and is currently also in the iPad Pro from 2020. All those devices have LiDAR scanners. If your device doesn't have one, this feature, people detection, will not be available to you. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the suite of voiceover recognition features. That's screen recognition, image recognition, and text recognition. They're not specific to the iPhone 12 line, but they do require a fairly modern phone or a fairly modern iPad Pro. We're seeing an interesting situation in which features, accessibility ones specifically, but other features too, are becoming possible on new devices and not possible on older devices. And so we'll talk a little bit about that in terms of these specific features. And then finally, we'll talk about sound recognition, which is a feature which is available on modern iPhones, but also some iPads that uses machine learning to try and interpret sounds in your environment and give you a warning if you're somebody with a deafness or hearing impairment. We're going to wrap up with a little talk about value propositions. And once we've gone through these features, some thoughts I have about whether these phones make sense as an upgrade, and also what role these features play in understanding where Apple appears to be going with accessibility and, and what we might hope for in the future. Certainly not what Apple's told us we can expect in the future, but given what the hardware and software are giving us now, what might a person with blindness, visual impairment, or hearing impairment expect from accessibility going forward. So that's what we're going to do today. Hang on, it's going to be fun. This episode of Parallel is brought to you by the IntraZone from Microsoft SharePoint. So it's always fun to listen to new podcasts, and this is an interesting one from Microsoft. Check out the IntraZone. It is a weekly podcast from Microsoft with conversations and interviews on how Microsoft SharePoint, OneDrive, and related tech can work for you. You'll hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field so you can see how SharePoint fits into your everyday work life to easily share and manage content, knowledge, and applications. Each show covers a bunch of segments like news and announcements, a focus topic of the week, guest perspectives, FAQs of the week, and upcoming events. And just so you have an idea what to expect, I want to tell you about some of the topics you might be interested in that were featured on recent episodes. They've discussed working from home, which I know is relevant to some of you, and figuring out an intelligent intranet for your organization. And they did an episode talking about API and teamwork, which you should give a try. So the IntraZone includes episodes they call partner episodes, where Microsoft folks talk with SharePoint partners. And then in the one I listen to, in turn, they also talk to a customer of that Microsoft partner. 
And that way you got a perspective from all three parts of the SharePoint equation. And it was pretty interesting and, and gave a pretty good indication of uh, the way Microsoft thinks about communication with multiple audiences. So it was, it was pretty good. Go and listen to it now. Just search for The Intrazone wherever you get podcasts. That's I-N-T-R-A-Z-O-N-E. Or you can click the link in the show notes. Our thanks to The Intrazone by Microsoft SharePoint for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. People detection is a new feature found only in LiDAR-equipped iOS devices. So that's the iPhone 12 Pro, the 12 Pro Max, the 2020 iPad Pro, at least for the moment. LiDAR is in those devices as an assist to photographers in low-light situations. LiDAR is also the technology that makes it possible for autonomous vehicles to know what's around them in their environment. If you've ever seen an autonomous vehicle, it's usually got a LiDAR sensor on top of it, flashing and turning around and identifying you know, the environment and giving the car the information it needs to stay out of trouble. And uh, similarly, LiDAR has all sorts of potential for accessibility. We'll talk about that after a demo, but let me quickly describe what people detection does for you. People detection is a feature within the Magnifier app. Magnifier itself was given a lot of updates in iOS 14. But in LiDAR-equipped devices, you've got this little button in Magnifier that, when pressed, will identify whether there is a person in your environment and how far away you are from that person. And you can get spoken feedback or you can get feedback by sound. What are the applications of a feature like this? Well, you could determine whether you are the six feet away from somebody that you want to be for social distance reasons. So that's a very COVID-19 friendly reason to use it. If you're at a restaurant or if you're on a subway platform and you want to understand where you are in relation to other people in the area, as opposed to poles or benches or something else like that, uh, this would be useful. Let's say you get on that bus or train and you'd like to know whether the seat that's three feet away from you is available or whether it's occupied use people detection to find out. It's a no-brainer for somebody who's low vision and who probably uses magnifier a great deal. You might even have magnifier open to look around your environment for signage. And then you just use the people detection to verify that there's not a person where you would like to be standing, for example. If you're a totally blind person, you've probably never had occasion to use magnifier. It is an app in iOS 14. Previously, it was only available through accessibility settings. You could add it to accessibility shortcut. Now you can have it as an app on the home screen, although it is still activated initially via accessibility settings. And then you can continue to add it to your accessibility shortcut or to use Backtap to enable it. So there are several ways to get Magnifier up and running initially and then to invoke it when you need it. So as a blind person, the workflow is probably you're using your device in whatever way you normally would. Maybe you're using a navigation app. Maybe you're simply consuming content with voiceover. And then you come into a setting where you want to know where people are and that there are people there, like the examples I described before. You open Magnifier having previously enabled it. You press the people detection button. You move your phone around to acquire information about the people in your environment. And then once you're done gathering that information and using it in whatever way you need to, you would probably leave Magnifier. So that's basically what it does. Next up, I'm going to give you a demo of the people detection feature. did this in my house with my husband's help. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about the implementation and we're going to talk about what a LiDAR-equipped device means for the potential of accessibility, not just people detection itself, but what it could mean 
in the future for iOS users. People detention on. All right, here we go. Seven feet away, it says, and it's pointing right at your belly button. I'm going to walk closer to you. Apparently, I have it on to do sound, not speech. So it's getting closer. The, pi- the pitch gets higher as it gets closer. I'm going to turn away from you so it doesn't see you now. It sees you, and now it's pointing at your right shoulder, three feet. I'm going to back away. Let's see how far away it'll recognize you. Come out this way. So I'm 14. It says I'm 14 feet away. That's pointing at him. It's pointing at your face now. I'm going to walk further back and see how well we do. 18 feet. So within about six feet, that's when the pitch and the speed of the sound changes considerably. This is six feet. Mm-hmm. Seven feet. So for the social distancing purposes, uh, that's uh, pretty accurate, right? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to turn away, and I'm going to see at what point it acquires the image, the person. When it saw it, the shoulder and the arm, it started pointing. I'm seven feet away. It didn't even have to see a face. Cat recognition does not recognize a cat as a person, which is probably desirable. <laughs> so that's how people detection works. And I said before the demo that for somebody who's totally blind, it might be a little awkward or at least a new workflow to get people detection going. And I think that's true. And I think the utility of people detection all by itself is something that's worth talking about. I'm not sure whether it is as big a deal on its own as some folks would like to say that it is. But I think it is a big deal when you think about what it could mean for accessibility features in the future. So first of all, we've introduced LiDAR as a feature in our phones. We know that it has implications for identifying not only where people are, but where objects are, what they are, in combination with machine learning and the neural engine. There are all sorts of ways in which LiDAR can provide the basic building blocks, and the machine learning and neural engine components can identify those building blocks. So of course that has accessibility implications, especially for indoor navigation. And what we see from Apple and ultimately from third parties is going to be fascinating because Apple clearly has an interest in letting people know about this feature. It's not something that they hid or didn't talk about, which occasionally can happen. It feels like a proof of concept. It feels like opening a door and saying, hey, did you know that with LiDAR, our devices can do these things for accessibility that they couldn't before? Well, when a door opens, what do we do? We peek around inside and we look to see what's in the room. Adding LiDAR to lower-end phones, of course, is the first thought. Will we get to the point where somebody who buys a phone that is less capable than an iPhone 12 Pro, and frankly, that's most of us, will have access to LiDAR? But secondly, what other devices that Apple hasn't even put on the market yet might LiDAR be applied to? There are a lot of rumors and speculation that Apple at some point will introduce a wearable, an Apple Glass, or some sort of device that potentially could help people with disabilities navigate. That wouldn't be its purpose. Apple Glass would be more of an internet device that you wear on your face. But for people with disabilities, it could potentially be a navigation aid that is frictionless and hands-free. 
because as great as it is to be able to use the phone for navigation, for apps like Ira, Be My Eyes, and that sort of thing, you're still having to hold your phone. You're still having to aim a camera and gather information. And without LiDAR, the information you're able to get is what the camera lens sees and what machine learning can interpret, which, as we'll talk about when we get to some of the other features, is, is a pretty good amount of information. But LiDAR provides an order of magnitude greater amount of information because not only can it pinpoint an object in terms of what it is, that's a person, but it can tell you how far away that object is. And that can be user usable information, or it can be interpreted by an app in such a way that it can help you with collision avoidance. There are all sorts of possibilities. So I think we really need to think big picture in terms of LiDAR. And I also feel like when we talk about potential products like Apple Glass or some sort of wearable, there's always this concern, not that Apple would ignore accessibility, but there wouldn't be accessibility optimization, especially right away. And the optimistic part of me wants to believe that including LiDAR in phones and highlighting its usefulness as an accessibility feature is an indicator that there will be accessibility benefits right away to some kind of wearable that Apple would create down the road. For third-party developers, I don't think there's any need to wait for some sort of wearable from Apple. The existence of LiDAR and people detection gives third-party developers the opportunity to write stuff for this, whether it's indoor navigation apps, even proof-of-concept sorts of apps, but definitely extending what we already have in terms of both indoor and outdoor navigation. There are already apps that take advantage of beacons that provide guidance based on the GPS system that's available. So it only makes sense that LiDAR would give you the opportunity to extend that indoor navigation, especially since the presence of beacons and the cost of beacons is problematic. It just it hasn't, it hasn't really worked out the way we all expected. So the combination of LiDAR and some of the voiceover recognition features that we'll talk about in a little bit have the potential to create some interesting indoor navigation things. Now, we already have AI-based apps that guide us in terms of our environment, things like Seeing AI from Microsoft, which have shown not only that you can identify people, but you can make guesses about age and gender. You can even identify specific people if you upload a photo and tag them as such. Apple doesn't want to get in that business because of their concern for privacy, but certainly identifying individuals if there is consent all around is absolutely something that for a blind or visually impaired person would be an incredible feature, whether that was applied by a third party or whether that was something that was made possible later down the road in an Apple Glass kind of device, again, probably with third party support. The ability to walk into a room and scan it and see if there's somebody that you know and go up to that person and say, hi, Bob, it's great to see you, is on the level of a holy grail feature as far as most of us with blindness or low vision are concerned. And LiDAR sort of tempts us in that direction. When thinking about the biggest time wasters at work, I don't even have to give that much thought at all. The answer is email. In fact, a recent study found that almost 50% of the time that managers spend tending to their inboxes is spent on emails that should never have been sent to them or that didn't need an answer. What if you could just press a magic button and never see those annoying emails again? Well, that's exactly what SaneBox does. With just a few clicks, SaneBox automatically gets your email under control and filters out all the messages that don't need your attention. 
And you don't even have to switch email apps because it works with whichever email client you already use. It also has some nifty features like the same black hole where you can vanquish senders you never want to hear from again. And Sanebox reminders for sending email reminders to your future self. So I've got a bunch of email accounts like a lot of us do, but I've had one particular account for more than 20 years, probably 25 years. And so over time, the number of people who have that email address and send me mail that I really don't need to see has just grown exponentially. And so when I got the chance to try Sanebox, I was really excited about that because I have mail filters, but I really wanted an intelligent assistant to go in there and sort of look at stuff and say, no, this is something you can look at later. This is something you ought to see now. This is something you should never see again. And so what Sanebox does is it starts that process for you, and then you have the ability to give it further information. No, I never want to see email from this person again. Yes, this is important. Oh, why don't you remind me about this next week? I did that recently. I got a request from somebody that I just couldn't address right away, but I knew I wanted to deal with next week. So I sent that to what's called the SANE Later folder. And sure enough, the following Monday, it popped up and I was ready to deal with it. See how SaneBox can magically remove distractions from your inbox with a free two-week trial. Visit SaneBox.com parallel today to start your free trial and get a $25 credit. That's SaneBox, S-A-N-E, box.com parallel. Our thanks to SaneBox for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Let's talk about voiceover recognition. This is not a feature that's specific to the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro, but it is specific to the iPhone 10R and forward. It's just not available on older devices. It is available on the 2018 and forward iPad Pro. Not certain whether it's available on the new iPad Airs, but it's not available, for example, on the seventh generation iPad. So if this is a feature that you're interested in, uh, be aware that not every iPad you could even buy right now is necessarily going to have it. And of course, you're going to need iOS 14 as well. So I decided to do some demos of voiceover recognition features from the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro. There are three features, screen recognition, image recognition, and text recognition. Screen recognition is designed to make inaccessible apps more accessible. Using machine learning, iOS tries to identify things in an interface that are clearly interface items, but that have not necessarily been labeled by the developer. Uh, text recognition is intended for those times when an image contains text. If you've ever seen a Facebook message that is a giant colored box with text in it, or if you've ever seen a tweet that's been retweeted by turning the tweet into a JPEG image, or if you've ever seen an Instagram post that has text in it, those are all inaccessible bits of text that text recognition is intended to read to you. But let's talk about image recognition. This feature has several purposes. First of all, to identify the contents of images that are found in apps, say on a web page or an Instagram post or a tweet or any place you might encounter an image and you don't know what that image is. And it'll say it's a dog or it's a person or it's foliage or something on, on that order. Then you can also use it to identify what the camera is seeing in apps like the camera app or magnifier app, which is how we'll use it in the demo that I've done. The nice thing about being able to enable it on a per app basis is you can decide whether you want VoiceOver to read the contents of images on a web page. You might not. You might just want to read through the articles. Thank you very much. Same thing goes for images in your environment, especially if you have 
low vision, you might not want images identified in camera app or in uh, magnifier app, but you can choose that on an app by app basis, or you can just leave image description on or off. And again, you can use the rotor to do that in real time instead of having to go back to settings. We're going to start our image and screen recognition demo on screen with voiceover on and all of the voiceover recognition features enabled, image recognition, screen recognition, and text description. We're going to go to Facebook and we're going to see if we can identify some images as well as some boxes that contain text, but the text is confined by images. HIS at Facebook.com. Characters, words, lines, speaking rate, language, screen recognition, screen recognition off for Safari, screen recognition on for Safari. Drew Karen going to TCM Classic Film Festival. 18 hours bullet 23 button. Just watched this the other night. Image, more content available. Tab, 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 tab. I flicked down twice as I normally would to read a web page, and it identified that there was an image, but voiceover recognition didn't make an attempt to tell me what was in it. If I want to know what's in that image, I have to go back and single tap, and I'll show you that now. Image, more content available. A person holding a white circle with a blue cross on it that might be a hospital. And here's another post. This is one with image-based text and then a picture underneath it, all part of the same image. So this is interesting. Mary Tenzer, 17 hours bullet 44, button, who remembers getting a box of these during the holidays, milk chocolate, queen and artificially flavored, cordial cherries. Michelle Sandoval, 2 hours bullet 34, button, yup, when a post includes I bet none of my friends will share this rest assured, I won't. It's not identified as a box there, but that was just a basically a dark box with white text inside of it, and Facebook just read it as if it were text, pretty seamlessly and flawlessly. For what it's worth, I agree with the sentiment. Let's drop into Instagram and see how this app behaves. Now, you're going to hear some odd behavior, which I think is more a function of the app than how well image description might work. Not giving Im image description a complete pass, but there are weirdnesses about the way apps sometimes render images or tell you that images are available. So let's see what we get. I'm in Instagram and I have voiceover turned on. I'm going to flick down from the uh, first post on my Instagram page. Redboy 99, Bloomington, Illinois, button, image, more content available, QV, liked by Spaghetti's wife and 32 others, image, more content available, button, tab, 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 So it told G, me there tab. was an image, but it didn't bother to tell me what was in it. So since I heard image, I know that I can go back and single tap. Image, more content available, a black and white dog wearing a multicolored sweater and posing for a photo, a black and white dog wearing a multicolored sweater and posing for a photo. That's true. There's also a person in it, and they're posing for a photo. It definitely looks like a holiday photo. Let's see what we get from the next page. Page 2 of 20, Redboy 99, Blooming, Sponsored, Sponsored, Button, Black Friday, Isotope Holiday Bundle, RX, Interview Audio, Wav, Clean, Pitch, Ill, $49, $124, Shop Now, Button, 0QV, 118 Legs, Isotope and Curly Black Friday Deals Start Now, Get 9 Plugins for, Ellipsis, More. So that was an advertisement, it was an image, and it said Black Friday, it said the words that you heard within the image. It didn't identify the image, it just went ahead and read the text in the image. Now if I tap the image... Black Friday, Isotope Holiday Bundle, RX, Interview Audio. So when I tapped the image, I tapped in the top half and it read me the text. It doesn't let me tap below that. Duracognito, Duracognito, button, one slash two, tab, tab, G, tab. Image, more content available, no description available, button, image, more content available, a photo image, more content available, a television mounted on a wall in a dimly lit area. That's correct. Apparently I cut it off. It'll say no description available and then it'll go ahead and describe something. 
Yeah, apparently Instagram presents some challenges for uh, screen recognition and image recognition. But from Safari and the Facebook implementation inside Safari, you got some sense of how it's supposed to behave. And I will say a couple of other things about image recognition that when it does work, it saves a couple of steps because there are plenty of other apps out there for voiceover that will allow you to isolate the image that contains text and then you share it to an OCR scanning app and it will read you the text. And that's the way a lot of people manage Twitter threads that are retweeted as images. It's not ideal, but it can be done. Or if somebody sends you a document that has text in it that's not OCR'd, you can do that. But if you're just scrolling through your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram feed, and you'd like to know what's in that JPEG that has text, then uh, screen recognition, image recognition uh, will make an attempt and often will succeed, but you might have to remember to tap that image that's identified rather than expecting it to read to you right away. So I spent some time with image description on both the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro, and believe it or not, uh, the 10 minute demo that you're about to hear is a very small part of what I recorded and the experiments that I did. I wanna say a couple of things about observations I made that don't appear in this demo. The iPhone 12 Pro camera app has a very busy interface from a voiceover point of view because there are camera controls, there are zoom controls. A lot of the screen is taken up by controls that you can access as a voiceover user. And in order to get image description to work, you need to interact with the viewfinder. So if you are brand new to the iPhone 12 Pro and you pick it up and you tap where you think the viewfinder is, you might find yourself in the zoom area of the screen. And that was a little challenging at first as a voiceover user. But once I got familiar enough, and also frankly, once I got into better lit situations where there weren't so many camera controls trying to tell me, hey, this is a low light situation, I had a much better experience with the iPhone 12 Pro. The 12 camera interface is not quite so full of stuff because there is the ability to zoom, but there isn't such a large area of the screen that's taken up by access to controls for the other lenses. So just in terms of pure simplicity, I found the iPhone 12 was a little more intuitive, but once I spent some time with the iPhone 12 Pro, I appreciated the features that the camera has, as well as what I could do in image description. These demos were all done at 1x. The iPhone 12 Pro does have a telephoto lens and you can zoom in quite a bit. And I did some testing with zoom enabled both in the camera app where you could use a telephoto lens and the magnifier app, which just has a linear zoom. And I found that the objects that I had set up for my demos were too close when I zoomed in uh, and I didn't get a full image description that was useful. Now obviously if you're using the telephoto lens to look at an image that's quite some distance away, you're going to get better information. But all these demos were done at 1x. This is about 10 minutes worth of demo done in three different environments around my house. And some of it may seem repetitive, but if you're actually trying to decide whether to upgrade to a phone because of a feature like image description, I think it's going to be helpful to you to understand how it behaves in some real world cases and how well it identifies objects and your surroundings. So here we go. Hello. We're going to do a demo of voiceover image description. It's part of the voiceover recognition suite of features, screen recognition, image recognition, and text recognition. So what we're going to do is use the camera app and the magnifier app 
and see whether we can identify the objects I have arrayed here on this table, as well as things that we'll find in my backyard, which is where I'm at right now. And I've turned off screen recognition and I've left on text recognition in case we come on some text in the environment. I'm going to open up the apps portion of image descriptions and I'm going to make sure that the two apps I want to use, camera and magnifier, are both included. So here we go. I'm in the voiceover description area and I'm going to image descriptions on. Turn that up a little bit. Double tap to toggle setting. Selected. Speak. So we'll hear voice indications. Apply to apps. Apply to heading. All of the apps are checked right now. I don't think I checked them on purpose, but it appears that that's the default. Rows 10 to 25 of 47. Just verifying that magnifier was among the apps that is checked. Yes, it is. Selected. Magnifier. Button. But we're going to start out in camera. I have the iPhone 12 Pro with me. This feature image description also works on the iPhone 12. Zip camera. Zoom. 1.0 times. Zero people. Also, in order to start this feature working, I need to tap, not double tap, but I need to tap the... Zero people. Viewfinder. Focus on lock. Image. All right. Double tap to focus. A white cup on a gray surface with a group of green plants in the background. Tilt left. Level. A photo containing a tree. A fence. A porthole and a shrub. A photo con tilt left. A mobile phone on a tape. Level. A cell phone on a table in an outdoor area. A photo containing a foliage and a chair. Tilt left. A photo containing a shrub. A broom on a table in an outdoor area. A photo containing a shrub. A photo containing a mailbox. Outdoor activities and a shrub. Zero people. A pair of red slippers on a white surface. A photo containing a flower. A photo contain tilt left. A red hat on a table this level. A photo containing a shrub. A window and people. A photo containing a plant. A roof and a window. A photo containing a window. A photo containing a window. A photo containing a tilt left. A currency no level. A pair of glasses, a pair of sunglasses and other items on a surface. Tilt left. A currency level. A currency note, a cap and other items on a surface. A currency zero people. So I'm going to tell you what is on this table in roughly the order that this phone should have found it because what I did was I sort of panned from left to right across the table. It found the first thing right away. It's a coffee cup. It's a styrofoam cup and I'm, it's, this is on a gray surface. This is a glass sort of beaded surface so I think gray is acceptable. Uh, it missed the next item which is a little further away which is a folded white cane and it was looking at the end of the cane so I'm going to turn it so that you see more of the cane and see whether it captures it. The mobile phone, that was in fact the iPhone 12. The next item, which it didn't get, was a pair of AirPods in a case, which is directly in front of the recorder I'm talking into. That recorder is a big Zoom H6 with a gray muff on it, and I think that might be what voiceover recognition thought was a broom. Then there's a face mask, a blue face mask with a logo pretty close to me that it didn't seem to recognize. Next is a red hat, which it recognized after a couple of tries. And then finally a pair of sunglasses. And as I say, we're sitting in the backyard, so you're going to see some foliage in the background, trees. You're going to see this glass table. There are some green chairs. And in a minute we'll see my blue house and some other things on the patio. So let's walk around a little bit and see what zero we can people. see in the larger environment. Again, I have the camera app. I'm zero, not zoomed zero in. People. A photo containing a porthole. A screenshot tilt right. So Level. I haven't tapped viewfinder yet. Viewfinder. Zero people. Let's do this a in landscape. Of a video game. 
a screenshot of a video game, a screenshot of a video game, a screenshot of a video I'm game puzzled with by text that. and images on it, a photo containing a shrub, an ivy and a brick, an illustration with text and images on it, a photo containing a shrub, a fence, an ivy and a brick, a photo containing an ivy. All right, let's do some things with magnifier now. We're going to start at the table pointing at objects, and then we're going to walk around a little bit. All right, we begin with our objects on the left side of the table, first tapping viewfinder. All right, we're going to begin. Magnifier, viewfinder, image, a white cup on a gray surface in front of a group of green flints, a photo containing the rocks, a foliage and outdoor activities. Image, a pen and a pen on a white surface. That's a the pen white and a pen on a white surface. Viewfinder, image, no description available, a cell phone on a marble surface. Viewfinder, image, a person standing in a pool of water, a person standing on a white surface next to a window. Possible text, highly. Viewfinder, image, a pair of sunglasses on a table next to a red hat, a pair of sunglasses and a hat on a glass surface. Viewfinder, image, a black shirt with white text on it on a white surface, a black bag with white text on a white surface. That's a face mask. And it did get the red hat, it got the glasses, the folding cane it identified as a pen on a surface. This is a beaded glass tabletop, so I can see that it would identify it as marble, perhaps. Viewfinder. Image. A pile of dirt in front of a white building. A group of plants growing in a dirt area next to a white building. A pile of dirt next to a white building. Viewfinder. Image. A photo containing an ivy. A foliage. A window and a shrub. A photo containing an ivy. A window and a shrub. Didn't see the tree. There is a house over there. Viewfinder. Image. A photo containing a frame. A foliage and a window. A photo containing a plant. A brick. A door and a window. That's a blue house with a window is what that is. Viewfinder. Image. A black lantern hanging from a white pole in front of a white building. A metal container with a lid on a surface covered with dry leaves. That's a black barbecue grill is what that is. Uh, not a grill, but a, a Weber sort of a pot. Uh, barbecue grill. Viewfinder. Image. A red mug on a white table in front of a blue building. A red chair on a surface covered with dry leaves. Those are red chairs. Okay. Viewfinder. Image. A photo containing a foliage. A roof and a window. A photo containing a plant. A roof and a window. Possible text. IKR. I think that might be a logo on a trash can. It's funny because when it was very close to my face mask, which is what it identified as a black shirt, it said there was possible text, a and there was, a table on a rocky surface. but it didn't attempt to read the text. So let's do a little bit of, uh, a pile of next to a wooden fence. let's do a little bit of inside stuff with magnifier. Viewfinder, image, a white couch in front of a blue wall, a cat lying on a couch in a room. All right. Hi, Norbert. That's Norbert the orange cat. Viewfinder, image, a painting hanging on a blue wall. A painting hanging on a blue wall next to a couch. Viewfinder. Image. A cat sitting on a chair in a room. A chair next to a table with various objects on it. Various objects means junk. Viewfinder. Image. A table and chairs in a room. A room with a television, a table, and chairs. Viewfinder. Image. A person sitting in a chair and holding a video game controller. A person sitting on a couch and playing a video game that might be a hospital. <laughs> Not a hospital. He's a... You've got a keyboard and that's a television. Image. A television on a wooden stand in a room. A television right. on a wooden stand in a room. Alright, let's go out front. Viewfinder. Image. An orange pumpkin on a gray surface. An orange pumpkin on a gray surface next to a red door. Viewfinder. Image. A black box hanging on a white wall next to a red door. Mailbox. A black box with a handle on a white surface. Viewfind. Viewfinder. Image. A photo containing a window. A black box hanging on a white wall next to a red door. Viewfinder. Image. 
A group of red chairs on a brick surface next to a group of bushes. A group of viewfinder. Image. A photo containing a fence. A foliage. An ivy. Outdoor activities and a shrub. A photo containing an ivy. A foliage. People and a wood natural. A photo containing a fence. An ivy. A foliage. Outdoor activities and a wood natural. There's no people. There was a little table, which I guess is what the wood natural is intended to be. Now walking off my porch down the driveway. Viewfinder. Image. A white car on a road next to a group of trees and a building. A photo containing a plant. That a car is at the house next door. It's actually rocks on a dirt surface next to a group of trees. Quite far away. A photo containing a shrub, an ivy, a street sign, outdoor activities, and a wood natural. We're walking down the driveway toward the street. Viewfinder. Image. A red car on a dirt road next to a group of trees. It's not a dirt road. It's a street, but there is a car across the street. And we'll see what it makes of this. Viewfinder. Image. A white car parked next to a sign in a park. A black sign with text on it in front of the white car. Correct. All right, we're going to walk up the street just a little bit. Viewfinder. Viewfinder. Image. A group of vehicles on a dirt road next to a group of buildings and trees. A photo containing rocks. Outdoor activities and a mosque. A car on a road. Viewfinder. Image. A house surrounded by trees on a sunny day. A group of trees and bushes in front of a house. Well, there you have it, my review of the iPhones 12 and 12 Pro with accessibility perspective. I hope you enjoyed the demos. They're by no means complete. There are a lot of features that I didn't get to talk about, not features so much, but ways of accessing these features and probably scenarios that people have questions about. If you want to chat with me about those, I'm happy to do so, and I'll give you Twitter handles at the end of this podcast. I want to talk for a little bit about the value proposition of the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro line, because I think for many people, the question is going to be, is this the device to which I upgrade from an older phone? I said in part one that it's not even as useful to compare these devices to the iPhone 11 Pro that was out last year. It's useful to compare them to the 10R, to the 8, to the SE that you may actually have. As a blind or visually impaired person, you may not like Face ID. You may find it difficult to use, even with attention required disabled. And that's certainly been the experience for a lot of people, and they've chosen not to upgrade. Apple does a good job of making its operating systems available on older phones. You can certainly keep using an iPhone 7, 8, or either model of SE, all of which have Touch ID, and you can get most of the accessibility features, but you won't be getting the voiceover recognition features that we talked about today, and you certainly won't be getting people detection. So we're starting to reach the point where your choice to use a Touch ID-only phone is going to lock you out of some advanced features. I mentioned on the first part also that there have been rumors that Apple would at some point return Touch ID, primarily for the benefit of mask wearers who aren't able to use Face ID and continue to wear their face masks. And I called that a mask dividend. That's going to benefit people with accessibility needs who want Touch ID back and frankly wouldn't get it back unless there was a larger demand for it. No idea whether Apple will make that possible. It wasn't reasonable to expect them to make it possible in these iPhones because these phones are designed some time in advance and COVID-19 only became a factor for us early this year in 2020. So look out for next year. And if you are not ready to upgrade and you're really hanging on for Touch ID, I think it's safe to wait another year. But if you're super curious about these voiceover recognition features and you feel like they would materially benefit your life, the iPhone 12 line is an otherwise good set of upgrades. 
They are not less expensive. In fact, a lot of analysis has been done that indicates you're going to pay more if you go to an iPhone 12 versus some of the older phones that are still available. And certainly, you're going to pay more than if you don't buy anything. But they're good, solid upgrades. You have three choices of sizes, the 12 mini, the 12, and the 12 Pro or 12 Pro Max. All four iPhone 12s are based on the same processor. Your decision about which one of the devices to get, frankly, is a lot simpler than the decision about whether to upgrade because you're choosing on size of phone, you're choosing on battery life, and you're choosing on how important the camera is to you or is not to you. Whereas if you're deciding about upgrading, you have to figure out, do I want these voiceover recognition features, which are also available on trailing phones like the iPhone 11 and the 10R that Apple still sells. So if you really want to save money, but you want access to voiceover recognition, you can buy an older phone. You can still buy an SE 2020, which is the only current Touch ID-based phone available. I think the time to decide about upgrading for good and all is going to be next year because either Apple is going to find a way to give you a Touch ID option or they're going to say, no, we're completely abandoning Touch ID for good. I think a year is when we're going to know that. And then if you're not a fan of Face ID, you're going to have to find some way of either making peace with it or choosing a phone that gives you an alternative that works for you. If you want to keep the conversation going about the iPhone 12 line, you can hit me up at Parallel Pods over on Twitter. That's also where you can get continuing updates about what's going on with this show and episode announcements. You can go to relay.fm slash parallel for all the episodes of the show, including part one of this review. There's a transcript for part one available now, and a transcript for part two will be up as soon as I'm able to do that. You can follow me personally at Shelly on Twitter, S-H-E-L-L-Y, and we can uh, bat the thing around a little bit more about all these features for the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro. I'll be back real soon with another episode. Bye for now.